Salvation Now podcast, where you'll discover and be equipped with keys from the Word of God that will pave the way to God's unlimited blessing in your life. Now, here's your host, Evangelist T.J. Malkanji. God's healing power. God's healing power. Number one thing that I want to get through to you today is if you are sick, God wants to heal you. If you are sick, God wants to heal you. If there's any question as to whether it's God's will to heal you or not, and you're still wondering that, and you've never come to a, 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 a conclusive a conclusive answer on that, I'm here to tell you straight from the word of God that it is his will to heal you. How do we know that? Mark chapter one makes it amply clear. The Bible says a leper came to Jesus and he fell down before him, worshiping him. And he said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And before Jesus can heal him of leprosy, he had to he had to answer that question. He had to clear out the bad theology that probably the religious teaching of that day had pumped into his mind and into his heart so that he doubted whether it was God's will to even heal him. And so Jesus' reaction to that question, his answer was, I am willing. He didn't say, uh, actually, you know what, I'm actually taking you through the valley to get you through. He didn't say, you know, son, this sickness is actually going to result in God's glory. No, he just straight out said, I am willing. Be thou made clean. And Acts 10.34 says, that God does not show any favorites. God does not show partiality. Whoever will come to him and believe, the Bible says God will welcome him without partiality and God will bless that person with whatever he has need of. God does not have favorites. God is not moved by uh, one person's status, his economic status, his social status. God doesn't care if you come from a rich family or a poor family. God doesn't care if you're a male or a female. God does not care if you are rich or poor. God does not care if you are a pastor or you just got saved or you're not even saved yet. God wants to save you. God wants to heal you. God wants to deliver you. His will his gospel invitation is universal. Whosoever, not my select few, whosoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. So if you're sick, establish this before we get into anything else. If you're sick, I want you to write this in the comment section actually as a confession. God wants to heal me today. God wants to heal me today. Hallelujah. If you're sick, God wants to heal you. People used to mock me. Now, if and I recognize because we were just on Isaiah's broadcast uh, on Tuesday, I recognize there's probably a, a few of you that, you know, you just started following me since Tuesday and this might be your first broadcast with us. So I want to go into my testimony. The reason why I'm so strong on healing, the reason why I unapologetically preach healing without apology, without feeling bad for it, without worrying what other people are going to say, without caring about what the religious crowd says, because I, you know, people think, I had someone write on the comments on YouTube the other day saying these YouTube preachers, they give off this, this sense of perfection and they don't, they've never walked a mile in my shoes. They don't know what I'm going through. That's someone who, who first of all, has no idea 
what the history of my life is. Because if you had known me 10 years ago, you wouldn't have said that I was that I gave off the sense of perfection. And by the way, if I ever give off the sense of perfection, whatever you feel is perfect in me is only the Holy Ghost. Uh, I've not yet apprehended perfection, but I do press towards perfection like Paul said. So, if, you know, people that come in, they never, that's what happens. They don't know who you are. They don't know you from Adam, but they see you preaching powerfully. They see you giving absolutes from the word. You know, there's a lot of preaching that, it revolves around the gray areas of the word, which I don't believe there's any gray area in the word. I believe the word of God is black and white and then sometimes in red. God doesn't want things to be more complicated for you. God didn't write the Bible through 40 plus different authors to make things more difficult for you, for make, to make things more complicated for you, or to make life more confusing for you. God authored this book so that he might, you know, John 8, 32, that you should know the truth and and that the truth should set you free. The word of God carries God's power. That when you believe, receive, and act on it, it is converted into God's power that produces the promise. And so that's what I'm believing God for you today. Whatever symptom, whatever pain, whatever sickness, whatever disease, whatever doctor said, you're going to have to live with this forever. The doctor might have had a word, an A report, but God has the final say. And God has already provided everything necessary for you to walk out of the prison cell of sickness today and walk in divine health the rest of your days. If you believe that, I want you to shout or type amen in the chat. Type amen in the chat as a, as a, a sign of faith, telling God, I'm ready. I'm ready. So 10 years ago, if you had seen me, you wouldn't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't recognize me uh, if you knew me today compared to 10 years ago, because I I had OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder, which produced depression in me, which caused me to get hooked on all kinds of drugs, dependent on drugs just to eat, eat basic meals because of anxiety that plagued and, 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 and crushed and oppressed me. I was in no way desiring to continue, live, uh, continue living. And so depression created suicidal thinking and all kinds of demonic stuff. And I was weighed down, crushed persecuted by the devil's reign of terror over my life. But then I got saved. And the moment I got saved, I, I received a new heart. I knew that I had the regeneration that the Bible talks about. Talks about. I was born again. I, the old heart of stone was ripped out and a heart of flesh was put in me. And I, I knew I was saved. I started to love people. I started to... to um, to, to love God with all my heart, soul, strength. I love the church. I wanted to be in church. I still want to be in church at every moment, every opportunity I can get. I was hooked on the word of God. I started to pray like never before, and I've never been the same since. But I still had sickness and disease. I still had OCD. I still had anxiety. Because I had always thought that though God was ready to save, because, you know, the church preaches that, uh... The church preaches that God forgives the most vile sinner, no matter where you come from, no matter what you've done, no matter who you are, no matter, uh, no matter the, 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 the sin that you've committed, God's on standby to forgive you today. He's merciful and compassionate, and, we, and I preach that, and I believe that. But then when it comes to healing, healing was always preached differently. There was, it wasn't preached as an absolute thing. It wasn't preached with definite terms. It wasn't preached uh, 
the same way salvation from sin was preached. Salvation was sin was such, a, such an absolute statement. If you are a sinner, God wants to save you. There was no question about it. No preacher ever questioned it or else they were labeled as heretics and they were excommunicated from the church. But when it came to healing, healing was always preached differently. You know, how many of you know, sometimes God says yes, sometimes he says no, other times he says maybe. We can never know. We can just hope that in the lottery system of heaven, as the balls are rolling, that your name's going to pop up and you'll be next to be served. And, but ultimately, we got to leave it in God's hands when that's absolutely not found anywhere in the scripture. And I'm going to show you that today. So though I got saved because I had accurate knowledge, remember this, faith exists because of accurate knowledge of the word of God. If you have inaccurate knowledge of the word of God, you can't have faith to believe God uh, for, for healing. So if you don't know what God's word says about healing, you're not going to have a platform of faith to stand on to actually receive that healing flow from God's, from God's hand. And so that's where I was. I knew God can save. I got saved, received it immediately. And even though I had thoughts that maybe, you know, maybe I'm not saved. You know, a lot of people, when they first get saved, they have thoughts, perhaps I'm not saved. You know, they might make another mistake and they say, I must not be saved. Or maybe I've committed the unpardonable sin or whatever. But then what do we do? We go back to the word and we discover that no matter what my feelings dictate, no matter what my feelings say, God's word says I'm saved. As long as I've repented and I believe and I live a, a life of cons, cons, constant repentance and a life of, of holiness and a life that is dedicated to pleasing God, I've laid my life on the altar of God as a living and holy sacrifice, that the Bible says these things have been written that you might know that you have everlasting life. So every time, every time I had a thought, maybe I'm not saved or you know, maybe I'm not one of the called or whatever, you know, maybe I'm not part of the elect that one major stream of, 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 um, of, uh, of theology teaches that God has the elect and everyone else is damned to hell, which I believe is totally, uh, totally heretical. I believe the, the gospel is a universal call. God so loved the whole world that whosoever should believe on him. But, you know, you had those thoughts come in. What did we do? We went to the word and we discovered that's the devil trying to lie, deceive. He's trying to uh, do what he did in Eden. Do what he did in the wilderness when Jesus was being tempted, always placing an if to the promises of God, always placing doubt surrounding the promises of God to get you to back down and not believe. But we had the word and we stood on it. And then no matter what we felt, we knew that we knew that we knew that we were saved. Well, then when it came to healing, what happens? There's always, there, there was always ifs, buts, and maybes in, in the preaching. Always. And so, that's how I was taught. So, for, even though I was saved, even though I was on my way to heaven, I still had panic attacks, I still had anxiety, I still had OCD. Until one day, I heard a preacher talk about Isaiah 53, which I never, never, never got to that part in the Bible before. And the Bible says in verse 3 to 5, that he himself, Jesus, speaking of Jesus, he himself bore our sicknesses. And he carried our pains. The, and, and it says that we esteemed him smitten, stricken of God, but he was pierced through, referring to the nail in his hands, he was pierced through for our transgressions that dealt with the sin problem. 
He was bruised for our iniquities. That dealt with our guilt consciousness. And then by his stripes, the Bible says, we are healed. Well, I had enough religion in me at the time to say, well, that's the Old Testament. Things have changed in the New Testament. We can't expect all Old Testament promises to be fulfilled in the New Testament. That's, that's what I had been taught. That there were certain things in the Old Testament we just couldn't, we, we don't have access to anymore, which is total bogus because Hebrews 8, 6 says, we have a better covenant now based on better promises. So for something to be better, then it has to at least match the old thing and have other things added on top to it, on top of it. So if the new covenant, if this new testament, which Jesus came to bring and usher in, is better than the old covenant, then it obviously includes what the old covenant has plus Plus other things, plus better things, which includes eternal salvation. So I said, well, that's the Old Testament. Well, the preacher must have read my mind. And by the way, if you think you can only be healed by someone laying hands on you, you've been deceived. That's one of the ways we can minister healing. And it's I do it whenever we do live meetings. I lay hands on anything that wants to have hands laid on it. But the best way and the more excellent way to receive healing today is just simply by hearing the word of God and believing. That's what I did. I was not in a live service. It wasn't a Sunday service. It wasn't a revival week. It wasn't a conference. It wasn't a youth camp. It wasn't a youth convention. I was literally in my living room on my sofa with my iPad in my hands watching a preacher like you're doing right now on YouTube, listening to what he had to say. And I tell you the truth, he, it's as if he heard my very thoughts. Because the moment I said, well, that was Jesus, he immediately turned to Matthew 8, 16 and 17. Well, what does that say? Matthew chapter 8, verses 18, uh, verses 16 and 17. Listen to this. I can quote it, but I want, I want to read it word for word. When evening had come, they brought to Jesus many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word. Well, nobody would doubt. Nobody would doubt that if you're demon-possessed, you know, maybe it's God's will for you to be demon-possessed. Nobody would, nobody would say that. Nobody would doubt God's willingness to heal someone, to deliver someone that's demon-possessed or demon-oppressed or addicted to drugs or addicted to alcohol. It's, it's, it's a, a no-brainer. Obviously, if you're addicted to drugs, alcohol, or there's demonization at work in you, God's will is to deliver you. But in the same scripture, it's funny that we don't doubt that, but then it says, and he healed all who were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, he himself took our infirmities, and he bore our sicknesses. So Matthew here outright sees Jesus healing the sick, casting out devils, healing tumors, curing paralysis, doing the marvelous works that he did. And immediately, Matthew, while he's writing this, he connects it by the Spirit. Because remember, all scriptures, God breathed, Spirit inspired. And so Matthew, while he's writing this, the Spirit's speaking to him, hey, connect this to what I already told Isaiah 780 years before, which he prophesied, he himself took our pains and he carried our sicknesses. And so Matthew, while he's writing it, he says, I can't write this without connecting it with what Isaiah prophesied Jesus would come to do. And so that's what he does. 
He connects it. He says, Jesus took our infirmities. This was a fulfillment of that. Matthew saw this and he's like, this is a fulfillment of what we've read our entire lives, Isaiah 53, that he would come and take our sicknesses and carry our pain, carry our pains. Well, when I heard that, the preacher was talking about this and I said, well, you know, that was Jesus. Of course, he was the son of God. That doesn't work anymore. He's in heaven now. One day when we get there, then he'll heal us. But you know what that preacher did? I'm telling you, he read my thoughts. He went to 1 Peter 2.24, beat out all the religion I had that day. And I've never had a religious ounce of anything since. He turned to 1 Peter 2.24 and listen to what Peter writes under the inspiration of the same spirit. The Bible says, Jesus himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree. So what did he do? He bore our sins on his body on that tree that we having died to sins might live for righteousness. Well, that dealt with the sin problem. But then Peter goes on to say, by whose stripes ye, not future tense, doesn't say by whose stripes one day you'll be healed, doesn't say by whose stripes, um, you know, by whose stripes in God's timing you'll be healed, by whose stripes, past tense, you were healed. Peter looking back to the cross, saying that's when it happened. That's when it happened. So you don't, have to, you don't have to look for God to heal you. You have to look back where God healed you. You don't look for God to heal you. You look back to where God did heal you and you accept the finished work at Calvary as fact and you start to walk in it. That's what the preacher started preaching. And so at that moment, when I saw that from the word, it's like a light bulb just went on. And I kid you not, I felt, now we don't go by our feelings. Whether you feel anything today or not is, is, is not really important. What's important is that at that moment, before I felt anything, before I felt electricity in my body, I received that word as fact. I'm, you know, Billy Graham talks about in, in his book, Just As I Am, his biography, autobiography, of a moment where he was in his uh, college, his Bible college in Tampa Bay, Florida, and he, he was having a great internal battle, whether the word of God was fully inspired or not. And he said he took his Bible, he went to a tree trunk, which I saw that tree trunk, the place where uh, his Bible college was located is now a golf course, like one, the 18th hole or something like that. And I actually saw the tree trunk. There's a plaque that says this is where Billy Graham, you know, did all that stuff he wrote in his book. And, and so I, um, Billy Graham, he was, it was like a late night, he goes out and he takes his Bible, he lays it on the tree trunk, and he, he just cries out to heaven. He says, God, no matter what I feel, I accept this entire book as your word. This is your word, your word. Everything you say in it is what you meant. You meant what you say, and I'm going to live by it. I'm going to go by it no matter what my thoughts reason, no matter what the world says, no matter what experts say, your word is the is is um this bible is your word and then you know he went on to have a, a mega ministry well that's what i had done when i got saved i decided to accept everything that the bible says as fact you know the bible says david made that same decision in his life he said that all things that are written in thy word i consider to be right that's what the book of Psalm, Psalm 119 says. All things uh, covering, all things written in thy word, I consider to be right. 
He said, how can a young man keep his way pure? How can he keep his way good? By keeping it according to your word. Paul actually commends the Thessalonians. He says, I commend you because when you receive the word of God, you didn't receive it as the word of man. You didn't receive it as if like I wrote it or Isaiah wrote it or someone else wrote it. You received it as what it really is. The word of God that works its power in them that believe. Do you know what that means? God's word will not produce if you don't accept it as his word. The Bible, the word, the scriptures. That's why Paul says in Hebrews 4 too. He says the same gospel was preached to them as was preached to us. But it didn't yield fruit in them because it wasn't mixed in faith in them that heard it. It wasn't mixed with faith. The key ingredient that activates God's power in his word is faith. And I'm not just saying faith that, yeah, I know God can do it. It's no. This book, this book, everything from Genesis to Revelation, everything that's written in it. I'm not a partial inspiration guy. There's a lot of liberal theologians that say the word of God is partially inspired. We can't accept everything in it. There's, it's prone to error. No, I don't believe that. That is garbage. That's a demonic doctrine of demons, a seducing spirit that's trying to pull people away from truth and pull people into sensual living. I still believe the Bible from cover to cover. I still believe it is the inspired God breathe God authored book I still believe that forever his word is settled in the heavens I still believe that the word of God cannot be broken I still believe that God is not a man that he should lie nor the son of man that he's changed his mind I still believe that Jesus Christ is the same and his word is the same yesterday today and forevermore I still believe that the heavens and the earth are going to pass away but God's word is never going to pass away away. I still believe that the flowers fade and the grass will wither, but the word of the Lord endures forever. I still believe in this book called the B-I-B-L-E, and it's still the book for me. And so I made that decision. Decision. So when I heard the preacher talk about Isaiah 53, Matthew 8, and then 1 Peter 2.24, I, I received it, and then after I received it, I felt like a lightning bolt hit me from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. And I was being charged with electricity. I, I can't explain it. Some of you have already felt the anointing hitting your body. Some people feel a heat. Some people feel electricity. Other people feel other things or whatever, goose, whatever. I don't know what you feel. Some people feel other things. That's what the feeling's not important. That's what I'm trying to establish today. The feeling is not important. I didn't get the feeling and then I believed. I believed whether I had the feeling or not. <laughs> I knew, I knew that healing had already been provided for me at, atone, at the atoning work of Jesus Christ. And I knew that I didn't have to stay sick another day in my life. And it's when I accepted that that the feeling came. And so at that moment, I knew in my body, like that woman with the issue of blood. Mark chapter 5, she touched the hem of his garment and she felt the flow of his power hit her body and she was made well of that hemorrhage that endured for 12 years. In that very moment, she believed and acted on her faith. 12 years of bondage by sickness, which she spent all that she had at the hands of many physicians and she was no better, she only grew worse. Yet in one moment, Jesus healed her because of her faith. And that's what happened to me. I got up, that was in 2012. And I got up. 
And I've been healed ever since then. I went back to the doctor and the doctor said, it seems like you're okay. I mean, uh, if you feel better, you feel better. I don't know. Is, is there anything else I can do for you? I said, brother, ain't nothing you've done for me in the first place. Jesus healed me. It's the great physician that by his stripes that I received deliverance in my mind. And I've been set free ever since then because whom the Son sets free is free indeed. You're going to have that lasting freedom hit your life today in Jesus' name. Whether the devil likes it or not, you are walking free from the bondage of sickness today in Jesus' name. Today's the day of salvation. Now's the day to be healed. If Jesus, you know, I just read it. By his stripes ye were healed, Peter said. If Peter, in like the first century AD, was saying healing was a past tense, 2,000 years later, how much more is healing a past tense thing? It's something that we can look back to. It's something that we can receive as a finished work today. So, People used to mock me in Bible college all the time because I had been healed. And so all I wanted to do was lay hands on people and get them healed. All I wanted to do was talk about healing. I wanted, I, I mean, it, it, it just, out of the abundance of my heart, my mouth spoke. I couldn't stop. I'd Facebook post about healing because that's what they had in 2013. I'd Facebook post. I'd do everything uh, to, to promote healing. And, and try to inspire other people in faith to receive their own healing. So I got mocked at Bible college. All you do is talk about healing. Isn't there something else in the Bible you want to talk about? And I said, yeah, there is some things that I like to talk about. But I'm commanded to talk about healing. Healing's not something you choose to talk about. Healing's something you're commanded to minister. Mark 16. The Bible says, go and preach this gospel in all the world. Then he tells you what the gospel does. He says, in my name. They'll, if they that believe, and I believe, in my name, they'll cast out demons. That's why you can't preach a gospel, a, a true gospel, have someone that's fully demonized in there and not have them set free. The gospel sets people free from demonic activity and networking. Then it says, you'll, you'll pick up deadly serpents and you'll drink deadly poison, will not harm you, and you will lay hands on the sick, the Bible says, and they will recover. So the Bible commands us to lay hands on the sick. The, the, you know, the Bible says in the book of Proverbs that a wise person promotes health. A wise pro person promotes health. You know what that says? God, God deems it unwise to not talk about health and healing. God deems it foolish to not speak about his covenant of healing that he's made so clear, clearly evident in the scriptures. I mean, you... You, you, you read in Proverbs, it says a healing tongue is a tree of life. Your tongue should be filled with healing. Anybody that bashes healing, I can tell there's a wrong spirit in their heart. Anybody, there's a guy who's, who, 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 who feels called. He thinks his ministry is to go around bashing healing ministries like mine and others and, 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 and mega ministries. He has a YouTube channel, all he does. He has conferences where people come in all around the world to hear him bash uh, bash healing, healing ministries and bash uh, faith and bash miracles and bash continue, uh, continuationists, which are, you know, there's cessationism and there's continuationism, um, which are people who believe that the gifts of the Spirit never cease, that the Holy Spirit still heals, that faith still brings miracles. And so he feels the call, obviously it's not heaven's call because there's no fivefold ministry of the ministry of bashing other ministers or the ministry of criticism or the ministry of, 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 of bitterness or whatever, and so he feels like it's his 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 mandate to go around bashing these people. You can tell when someone does that, they don't have a right spirit. 
Any minister, any YouTube preacher, whatever, who all their content is just taking a dump on other ministers, that's all they do, you can tell they don't have a right spirit. They don't. I'm not against calling out heretics. And even by name, if they're really off. I'm not saying if they differ on something, oh, I'm post-trib, I'm pre-trib, I'm mid-trib, let's call them out, let's make a YouTube. I don't care about the, you know, to each their own, that's fine. It, 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 it really doesn't, it's not a salvific thing. You're not gonna go to hell if you're a post-trib or a pre-trib or a mid-trib or no-trib. You're, you're, you're not, I don't believe that it's gonna send you to hell. But what will send you to hell is if you say that Jesus never came in the flesh. That's something that certainly ought to be called out by name. So people that make it their, 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 literally their life's goal to just slam other ministries that talk about miracles, that talk, what are they, who do they resemble in the Bible, in the Gospels? Do they resemble Jesus? No. Do they resemble the disciples? No. Do they resemble the, the people that came to Christ and listened to him? No. Who do they resemble? The Pharisees. The people that Jesus in Matthew 23 said the seven woes to. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. You've taken away the key of knowledge. You're depriving people of good knowledge that's able to help them. You're not talking about healing. You're not talking about deliverance. You're taking away the key of knowledge and you don't enter in to deliverance yourself, and you're preventing others from entering in. But I made up my mind, I don't care what other people think, what other people say, I'm gonna preach healing because it's in the word of God. And it's a timeless truth. It's not something that there's an asterisk next to, and then if you look at the back of your Bible, it says, Jesus specifically said that by the year 70 AD, this would no longer be in effect. No, it's a timeless truth. And Jesus Christ, I'm gonna say it again, Jesus Christ, if he's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, and he healed in Bible days, and the Bible says God healed in Exodus days, and all throughout the Old Testament, and he's never changed that, and when Jesus, who represented the exact will of God on the earth, came and continued that, 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 that mission to heal people, Jesus healed more than he did anything else. Jesus healed more than he even forgave people. And if Jesus did that, and he's the same, and he doesn't change, then he's obviously still doing it today. So why do I want to talk about God's healing power? Because many times people rush to praying for healing without developing an understanding of God's covenant of healing. That's where you get ignorant people that say, well, if you believe in healing, why don't you just go into a hospital and just lay hands on everyone and clear them all out? It don't work that way. Jesus didn't do that. Jesus didn't just walk in and heal everybody and uh, you know, whether you believe or not here, be healed. Let's, let's show you how Jesus healed the sick. Luke chapter... Luke chapter 5, this is going to change your life. Not only is if you're sick, you're going to be healed. Even if you're not sick today, this will put such a fortification in your spirit, such a building up of faith in your spirit to, to create this resisting force against sickness where you don't even have to get sick. Because if you'll understand, God's best is not divine healing. God's best is not divine healing. If you're sick, God wants to heal you and divine healing is available to you. But God's best is divine health. The Bible says in Exodus 15, 26, God said, if you will diligently hearken unto my voice and do everything I command you to do, it will come to pass that I will not permit any of the diseases that came upon the Egyptians, which represents the world, to come on you, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. I'm Jehovah Rapha. And then we see in Psalm 105, 37, when the psalmist is, uh, is speaking of the history of Israel, he says, you brought them out of Egypt with silver and gold. And 
The moment he said, I am Jehovah Rapha, from that moment onward, the psalmist says, there was none weak and there was none feeble amongst all their tribes. Oh, hallelujah. God's will is not only that you stay sickness free. God's will is that you walk weakness free. There's a lot of people in the body of Christ that aren't sick, but they're weak. They're weak. They're always tired. They're fatigued. They don't want to get up in bed out in the, in the morning. They, they have a hard time doing basic tasks. They get out of breath quickly. God doesn't only want to heal you. God wants to make you strong in your body. Think of it. Six million Jews, they estimate. Or uh, th three million Jews. Three million Jews, they estimate, were in the wilderness as God led them through by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And for 40 years, the psalmist says, there was not one weak or one feeble amongst all their tribes. You got to think of it this way. There wasn't just 24-year-old Usain Bolt athletes that were in the wilderness. There were 70-year-olds, 80-year-olds, 90-year-olds. There were 5-year-olds. Uh, there were all kinds of ages. And not one 90-year-old said, hey, Moses, can we slow it down? My back's killing me today. You mind if we just camp around here for a little bit? Not one of them did that. There was none. It doesn't say there was none under 50 that were weak or feeble. It says there was none. No matter how old, how young, doesn't matter, uh, doesn't matter who they were. None of them carried weakness in their body. If God did that to the Israelites in the Old Covenant, how much more does he want to make the church a mysteriously strong people here on the earth today? Strength is entering into your body today. Quick, the Holy Spirit is the quickener of man's bodies. Romans 8, 11. That same spirit, when he lives in you, he's going to quicken your body. I see the Holy Spirit quickening your body right now in Jesus' name. Let's read this. Luke chapter 5 and verse 17. Now it happens. So this is how Jesus... Actually, let's start with verse 15. This is how Jesus ministered healing to people. So notice how he doesn't just come in and say, peace be healed, peace be healed, peace be healed. And people that weren't even listening to him that day, they were just passing by. They were just going to work. And all of a sudden, oh man, I feel better. It's not how it worked. Listen to this. However, the report went around concerning him all the more. And great multitudes came together. So the first thing the people did was they came together. We have 176 people online, which is awesome. And if you haven't shared the broadcast yet, please help us share, uh, get this word out to more people by sharing the broadcast. But we have 176 people right now that have come together. So we've, we've, um, we've, we've fulfilled that requirement. They came together to do what? To hear, to hear, to understand what, he, what his message was. And to be healed by him of their infirmities. So they came to hear, but Jesus didn't just preach and that was it. The Bible says in Acts chapter 1, O Theophilus, I began a narrative of all that Jesus began to do and teach. Jesus didn't have a teaching ministry alone. He taught and he healed. He didn't just talk. He didn't just give TED Talks. He didn't give nice three-point sermons. He didn't just give uh, uh, great um, orations. He didn't just preach. There's a lot of ministers who the end goal of their sermon is to finish the sermon on time. Whereas Jesus' end goal, his objective was to preach until the power of God was made manifest and the people's understandings were enlightened so that he could then minister. We preach not to just preach, we preach for demonstration. 
We preach for demonstration. Paul said it this way. My gospel did not come in word only, but in the power of God. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, he said, when I came to you, brethren, I didn't come in superiority of speech. I didn't come with human wisdom. I didn't come with great oratorical abilities. I came in much weakness and trembling with the word of God. And he said, I preached the, 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 the crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension of Christ. And my preaching was not in persuasive words, but it was in the demonstration of the Spirit and the power of God. Paul says in Romans chapter 15 and verse 19, he said that in mighty signs and wonders, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I have fully preached the gospel. So he didn't say, I just came to, fully, I just came to preach and, 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 uh, and, and distribute the gospel information. No, the gospel is not information alone. The gospel is breaking news that produces transformation. In Romans 15, 19, Paul says that in mighty signs and wonders, I fully preach the gospel. So Paul... You read it in Acts chapter 14, an example of that. He's at Lystra, and there's a man that's laying there sick, uh, a cripple from his mother's womb, an impotent who had never walked. And the scripture says Paul was preaching, and he saw that the man had faith to be healed. And he said, stand up on your feet. He didn't just, so he didn't just preach. Obviously, Paul's gospel included uh, faith for healing, because that man, did, the Bible didn't say he had faith to be saved. It doesn't say he had faith to have his life changed. It doesn't say he had faith to have his family restored. It says he had faith to be healed. Because that's what he needed. The gospel, understand this, the gospel meets the urgent needs of man. The gospel meets the urgent needs of man. The urgent needs. The urgent needs. And so Paul saw that he had faith to be healed. So he said, stand up on your feet. And he was healed. He stood up and he was healed. He walked. His, his feet were strengthened. But what did he do? He was listening to Paul preaching. What were they doing here? They came to hear and be healed by their, of their infirmities. Now he often himself withdrew into the wilderness and he prayed. Now verse 17. Now it happened on another day. As he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. So what was Jesus doing? He was teaching. And what did his teaching do? It ushered in the power of the Lord, which was present to do what? To heal them. To heal them. Why did Jesus teach and preach? The Bible says in Matthew 4, 23, he went about the, the synagogues of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease amongst the people. So he taught, he preached, and then he healed. Why did he do that? Because Jesus understood that if he can get the word out, the word of God is proof to the people of what God is eager to do for them. What God has promised to do is a revelation of what he's eager to do. Eager. I'm not using, uh, I'm not using light language here. I want to I talk strong with you here. Not passive to do. It's not like God's in heaven. I'm like, eh, you know, I got nothing else to do today. All right. 
Let's heal a few. Let's heal a few kids, angels. Eager, passionate about healing. How do we know that? Because everywhere Jesus went, it wasn't some nonchalant thing. First of all, if healing wasn't important to to God, why did Jesus take a pit stop before going to the cross to take lashes on his back? Because Isaiah prophesied that it's through the stripes of Jesus that we would receive healing for our bodies. If all God wanted to do was to get you saved and in heaven, and that was it, just have your sins forgiven and not include healing for that, or in that great redemptive plan of salvation, then he would have never have taken stripes on his back. He would have just taken piercings in his hands because that was all that was necessary to alleviate you of the burden of sin. That's what Isaiah 53 says. That's what uh, Luke 2.24, uh, not Luke, 1 Peter 2.24 says. He bore our sins in his body. All he had to do was hang on that cross with nail-pierced hands, with the blood flowing. All he had to do was shed the blood, for without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. All he had to do was that. So why did he take a pit stop before he went to the cross to take, no, 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 I got to go here first. And by God's sovereignty, he was led to the whipping post. He got his whips. That's what happened to me. I forgot to mention that in my testimony. When I saw in the word of God, Matthew 8, 1 Peter 2, 24, Isaiah 53, and I received it, I saw a vision of Jesus tied to a pole. And he was being whipped on his back. And he looked to me and he said, I did this so you can be whole. I did this so you could be whole. So the, God's not passively wanting to heal you. He's aggressive about his healing ministry. Aggressive. And I can tell you, I can feel his passion when I preach on healing. Because I, I have a compassion. I mean, you look at Jesus. The Bible says he was compassionate. And he healed those that were sick. But you know what compassionate means? It means to suffer for someone. It's to suffer. When Jesus saw the sick, he didn't just look at them and, ah, that sucks. Poor Sally. One day she'll walk on streets of gold. He was compassionate. He, 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 he felt suffering for it. He, he felt the burden of that sickness. He felt the, 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 the sentiment of that ill person, of what that ill person must feel. And it moved him to heal. So that's why we talk about healing, because it's important to the heart of God. And, and the reason why we, we, we do it from the word of God is because the word of God is his will. Understand this, if a millionaire came by you, he has the ability, let's say Elon Musk came by your house. He, came, he said, I'm going to come visit your house. He has the ability to pay off your mortgage. He has the ability to pay off your car. He has the ability to give you $100 million, and it wouldn't even do much for him. But just because he has the ability to do all those things doesn't mean he's going to do it. Unless Elon Musk said, um, Natasha, I'm going to come by your house tomorrow, and I'm going to write you up a check of $10 million, and it's yours to spend on however you would like. Well, now I can expect to receive something from Elon Musk. If I just went to an Elon Musk conference where he was talking about his success principles or whatever, I couldn't expect him to write up a check of $10 million. I couldn't, I could dream about it, but dreaming ain't gonna do anything. I can't have an actual expectation because he didn't promise me to, he didn't promise me $10 million. But if he promised me $10 million, I can go to the conference and I can lift my hand and say, Brother Musk, 
Time to give me that $10 million. You promised it to me today. Well, God's word is his promises. And so there's a lot of Christians that believe God's able to heal. He has all power. He can do all things. But when it comes to expectation, well, I don't know if he'll do it for me. It's because they're ignorant of his promises. There was a lady, there was a lady that came to uh, T.L. Osborne. And she said, Brother Osborne, I believe God can heal my mother of her sickness. I just wish I knew he was willing because then I'd have faith to believe it. And Elon, uh, Elon Musk, Brother Osborne said, do you believe God keeps his promises? She said, absolutely I do. Do you believe God can save the most vile sinner no matter what he's done? She said, absolutely I do. Teal Osborne said, well, why do you believe that? She said, well, if anything, the golden text of the Bible, John 3.16, gives me confidence that no matter what someone has done, God can forgive them. And she quoted it, God so loved the whole world that whosoever shall believe in him, uh, he'll have everlasting life and not perish. So T.L. Osborne said, well, what if I can show you scriptures that promise you the same whosoever, but with regards to healing? She said, well, that would be great, but I don't know if that's in the word. So he goes, because that's what it is, it's ignorance. He goes and he shows her. I, Exodus 23, 25. That if you'll serve the Lord your God, he'll bless your bread and your water, and he'll take sickness out of your midst. He went and showed Isaiah 53, which talks about salvation and the suffering passage of the Messiah. And it says, by his stripes you're healed. He went on to talk about the many times in the Bible where it says, as many as touched Jesus. Let me read this, Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6, verse uh, 53 through 56. And they crossed over. They came to the land of Gennesaret and they anchored there. And when they came out of the boat, immediately the people recognized them. They ran that throughout that entire region and they began to carry about on beds all that were sick wherever they heard he was. And wherever he entered the villages, the cities, the country, they laid the sick in the marketplace and begged him that they might just touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched him were made well. As many, and you can look at other places, and as many as believed were healed, and as many as he laid hands on were healed. So he showed, him all, he showed her all those scriptures, and then light dawned on her, and she realized, she realized that God was just as eager to save the most vile sinner as he is to heal the most sick person. Let me go through how you tap into God's healing power very quickly, and then we're going to pray. So I think I've established that God's healing power is accessible, and God's healing power is, a, is, is real. It's not only real, it's accessible today. There was uh, those two blind men that came to Jesus. Lord, we want to receive our sight. What did Jesus say? Do you believe? Do you believe that I'm able to do this? Yes, Lord, we believe. Well, then as your faith is, so be it unto you. Didn't give them spiritual sight. How many of you know they left that day? Though they were still blind, they had spiritual sight. No, they had their physical sight restored to them. Don't try to over-spiritualize things in the Bible. What the Bible says literally, take as literally. And whenever figurative language is used, find the literal meaning. 
So Jesus healing the paralytic. We're not, how many of you are paralyzed spiritually today? That's not what the Bible was trying to say. He was saying that man was physically paralyzed. When Jesus he, uh, forgave him of his sin, he raised him up and he was healed physically. It talked, it, it, it's a reference to a physical miracle that Jesus did. When he cleared out the sin problem, the physical manifestation of, 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 of healing came forth. When he healed the blind, when he opened up the deaf ears, it was all, it wasn't his spiritual ears were open. It was his physical ears that came open. And the book of Acts documents the continuation of that through the apostles. So let's go through, I've written down here, uh, what, how many things? I've written down five, five ways you can tap into God's healing power today. Number one is realize the call to healing. You have to realize the call to healing is as universal as his call to forgiveness. The Bible says, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. As many as came to him were saved and he healed them all. Then if you read in Acts 28, Paul goes to the island of Malta. He, the Bible says he cleared the entire island of sickness and disease. Cleared it out. Not one person was sick on that island after Paul had visited the island. Jesus never turned anyone away that came to him in faith to receive healing. There was not one person that Jesus uh, interacted with. And when he came, you know, he was limping because his leg was broken. And Jesus wrapped his arm around him. and He said, hey. I know your leg is broken, but I want you to know there's more important things to gain in life than a restored leg. And he proceeded to take a crowbar and he whacked the other leg. And so now he had two broken legs. And Jesus said, see, you shouldn't have complained about the one broken leg. Now I gave you two broken legs. Now you'll learn to be grateful and content with the one broken leg. That's, that's not... <laughs> Jesus didn't go around finding healthy people and making them sick. Everyone that came, and I challenge you to find one instance in the Bible where someone came to Jesus sick and Jesus said, no, not my time. I challenge you. I'll give you $1,000 if you can find it. No, no, not going to do it. Even the Syrophoenician woman in Matthew 15, who was a Gentile woman, which remember, Jesus' mission was first to the Jew, then to the Greek. Jesus was sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. When he commissioned his disciples, he said, don't go into the city of the Samaritans or into the way of the Gentiles, but only to the cities of, of Israel, to the cities of, Jerusalem, uh, of, uh, of the Jews. Only go to the city of the Jews. Only go to the Jewish people. Because the gospel, Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is power of God unto salvation to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. So the Syrophoenician, the Greek, the Gentile lady comes to Jesus and says, Lord, I beg you, my daughter is severely possessed of demons. Come and heal her. And he answered her not a word because his mission at the time was not to the Gentile. The gospel door had not been opened to the Gentile kingdom. That happens in the book of Acts where you see Peter sees that vision of the, the sheet from heaven coming down with all kinds of animals and pigs. And, and God says, rise, Peter, kill and eat. And he said, not so. I've never put anything uncommon or unclean in my mouth. And God said, don't call uncommon what I have made clean. Don't call unclean what I made clean. He was talking about the Gentiles. And then he goes to the centurion's house, the Roman centurion's house, Cornelius, uh, who was a Gentile. And the gospel, the God, he was the first Gentile to ever be saved. And then Paul's missionary journeys was pretty much solely to Gentile people. 
So that Syrophoenician is a, is a Gentile and she's trying to, to jump the gun. And Jesus answers her not a word. The disciples get fed up and said, Jesus, send her away. She's getting annoying. She's so annoying. She doesn't stop. Her voice is like nails on a chalkboard at this point. The disciples had no compassion for people. Jesus looked at her and he said, listen, lady, it's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. You know what the woman said? She didn't put up with a no. Because when your faith says yes, she understood. If your faith can say yes, God will never say no. Because nothing pleases God more than faith. She said, yes, Lord, but even the dogs get to eat from the crumbs that fall from the master's table. I don't need the full loaf to have my daughter healed. I just need a crumb. You know what that shows you? People think that sickness, stage four cancer, it's this big thing. Just a crumb of God's healing power is more than enough to whip out anything the devil's used against your body. Just like Jesus entered into the temple and whipped out everything that offended him, just a crumb of God's power can go into your physical temple, the body, which Jesus said is the temple of the Holy Spirit, and whip out any sickness and disease that's offending the temple, which is offending God. Lord, even the dogs get to eat from the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Jesus said, you've been hanging around those hyper-faith people? Hmm. Ah, when are you guys going to learn? That's not what he said. He didn't say, hey, hey, woman, you're jumping the gun, all right? I've got my mission. I've got my, you're going to have to wait a couple of years. You know, uh, faith is not really receiving from God now. Faith is waiting for his timing. That's not what he said. He said, woman, great is your desire. Great is your faith. Great. He was astonished. Jesus never rebuked faith. Jesus rebuked unbelief. Jesus was marveled by faith. He marveled at her faith. He said, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you have desired. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus never turned anyone away who came to him in faith. Number two. So number one, realize the call to healing is as universal as the call to forgiveness. Number two, understand the word sozo in the Bible. The Greek word for salvation is sozo. And I have written down here everywhere or a lot of places that it's, where it's, uh, how it's translated. Sozo, translated heal, healed, or healed in Mark 5.23, Mark 16.16, 16, Acts 14.9. So in those instances, and there's other instances in the New Testament, the word sozo is translated healed. Number, number two, it's translated made whole in reference to healing. They were made whole. The leper was made whole. And the man was made whole of whatever affliction he had. Mark 5.34, Mark 5.28, Luke 17.19, Acts 4.9, Mark 6.56. The word sozo is translated made whole. And finally, it's translated saved. So the same word is translated these three ways, but they all mean the same thing. Whether God saved, healed, made whole, it all was encompassed in that same, that same word sozo. Mark 16, 16, Acts 2, 21, Ephesians 2, 8, Luke 18, 42, and James 5, 15, translated saved. So what does the word sozo mean? Sozo means, if you actually study the original Greek, it means healing, freedom, deliverance, prosperity, salvation, and being made whole. 
Salvation, sozo, means deliverance from sin and the consequence of sin, which we all know what the consequence of sin was. Was there sickness in the Garden of Eden? No. Was there sin in the Garden of Eden? No, not until Adam's sin. Is there sickness in heaven? No. Is there sin in heaven? No. So where did sickness come from? Like John Alexander Dowie used to say, sickness and disease is the foul offspring of its father Satan and its mother sin. Sickness and disease is the foul offspring of its father Satan and its mother sin. There's no handicapped spots in heaven, parking spaces in heaven. There's no child cancer wards in heaven. Sickness came when Satan and sin received the legal right to dominate the human race because of Adam's forfeiting of what he had in Eden. When Christ came, Romans 5.17, the Bible says, Christ came to give us the free gift of righteousness and an abundance of grace that we might now reign in life by the one, Jesus Christ. So whatever used to reign over us in life, sickness, disease, poverty, sin, Christ came to give us an abundance of grace and power so that we can reign in life over those things. Remember, Eden, this was the hierarchy. Adam, Adam and Eve, then uh, it was the animals and all that. And then S Satan was at the bottom of the list. Because the snake was in the Garden of Eden. He was always there. But he was at the bottom of the list. When Adam sinned, Adam forfeited the top rank. And he went down. Satan jumped a few ranks and he, he ruled over men. But when Jesus came, he stripped the devil of his, of his keys of authority. And then he told Peter, I give you now. The keys of dominion to rule, to bind, to lose, to rule over, over Satan and over all that Satan has. And nothing shall by any, men, any means harm you. Jesus reset the order of hierarchy on the earth. Now man is in the position of dominion on the earth. Satan is under your feet and everything Satan has and is. And sin has and is, is now under your feet. John G. Lake used to say this. Healing is simply the salvation of Jesus Christ having the, its divine action in one's body the same way it had its divine action in one's spirit. Sa salvation, listen to this. Healing is simply... The salvation of Jesus Christ having its divine action in your body the same way it had its divine action in your spirit when it set you free from sin. I wrote this on, on, uh, I wrote this on Twitter today. And I think it bears repeating on the broadcast. The effect of salvation in the individual's spirit is its regeneration. You are born again by water and by spirit. The effect of salvation in the soul is deliverance from, from fear. The Bible says we've been delivered from a spirit of fear or the spirit of bondage again to fear. God's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And the effect of salvation in the body is divine healing. 
So that understand the word sozo. When the we know in the English, we see three different wor- words. In the Greek, it's all the same word. So God doesn't see salvation from sin different from the salvation from sickness and disease. It's all one to him. That's why in Mark chapter 2, he sees the paralytic laid down by his friends while he's preaching. And Jesus looks, seeing their friend, seeing the faith that they had. And he says, son, your sins are forgiven. I came to be healed. What do you mean my sins are forgiven? And the, the Pharisees began to criticize Jesus, said, who is this man that he thinks he can forgive sin? Nobody can forgive sin except God alone. What did Jesus say? What's easier for me to say? Your sins are forgiven or rise up and walk? It's all the same to me. It's all the same to me. That's why you should start saying what David said in Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. He forgives all my sins and he heals all my diseases. God is as irritated by sin as he is of sickness. He's as offended of, by sin as he is offended by sickness and disease. As a believer, the same way you don't tolerate sin in your life, you should no longer tolerate sickness, disease, or mental problems in your life. Enough is enough. And until you get to that point where you say enough is enough, the devil will gladly overstay his welcome. Number two, understand the word sozo. Number three, realize healing comes by faith. Well, how many of you know the Holy Spirit doesn't heal anymore? He stopped that, that part of his ministry when the Bible came because we know when that which is perfect has come, that which is imperfect will do, will do away. And that's what the apostle meant when he wrote those words. What a poor interpretation. Paul was talking about when Jesus comes back again, when that which is perfect has come, we're not going to need the gifts of the Spirit anymore. We're not going to need word of knowledge, discernment. We're going to know as He knows. We're going to be as He is. We're not going to need uh, to have the gifts of the Spirit in operation anymore. We're just going to flow in the Spirit 100% of the time. That's what Paul was writing when he said that. He wasn't talking about when the Word came, then we won't need the Spirit any longer. What a foolish erroneous interpretation and you know what Jesus said you guys you guys he was talking to the Pharisees are you not greatly mistaken because you know not the scriptures neither the power of God because they don't know the scriptures they don't know the power of God that terrible teaching has stripped people of understanding of the scriptures and it's robbed them of partaking of God's power as a result. As a result. But I want to make a, a point to you. So I just, I, it's very clear that the Holy Spirit never changes ministry. He's still healing. He's still in all that. But even if the Holy Spirit wasn't healing anymore, healing in Jesus' day came by faith. The woman with the issue of blood touched his garment and he said, woman, thy faith has made thee well. So even if you want to say the gifts of the spirit are no longer in operation, healing primarily comes by faith in God's word. And so if you want to say God doesn't heal at all anymore, you have to then say faith no longer works. And if faith doesn't work, then we're still in our sins brothers and sisters, and we're on our way to hell because it's by grace through faith that we're saved. 
If you're going to say faith no longer works any longer, then we're in worse shape than ever. And those who've died in Christ didn't matter. You'd have to say faith has done away with for you to say healing's done away with because healing is a product of faith. Hallelujah. This is why many are not healed. Because they're not taught from the word to believe God for healing. And so if faith doesn't exist, healing will never manifest. You can't reap a harvest from a seed you haven't sown. And the word of God is the seed you have to sow. The word of God concerning divine healing is the seed you have to sow if you're going to reap a harvest of divine healing. There's a lot of people that have wrong believing. Lord, I don't know if it's your will. You're sowing the wrong kind of seed to reap the harvest you want to you reap. You can't sow... Uh, you cannot sow tares and reap wheat. You can't sow thorns and reap grapes. You can't sow oranges and reap apples. You got to sow the right kind of seed if you want to reap the right kind of harvest. Kenneth Hagin at 16 years old was dying of a blood, an incurable blood disorder. He was paralyzed in a, uh, totally from the neck down in his sickbed and they, he was about to die. And they had a minister in the local church come and pray for him. And he just got down and he, he, laid, he laid his hands on him and he said, Father, just make it easy as he goes. And even at that time when Kenneth Hagin didn't absolutely, you know, he didn't have a full revelation of what I'm speaking on today at that moment. Even at that time, it struck him wrong in his spirit and he rebuked that prayer. Hagen thought the guy was coming over to pray for him to be healed. Instead, he comes, Lord, make it easy on him. Let him go, Let him go uh, swiftly with limited amount of pain. And it totally, it struck him wrong. And as it should have struck him wrong. Because that's not the harvest Hagen was believing for when the minister came to pray. And I want to tell some of you today that have had experiences with ministers that have prayed prayers like that, don't let... Or if you've gone and someone's laid hands on you, you didn't get healed or whatever. Don't let an experience you had with a ministry or a minister or one time at an altar set your belief system of who God is. Don't let a man's failure affect your understanding of God's perfect nature. Don't let a man's failure. Well, I had everyone lay hands on me. Don't let... An experience. Totally warp your understanding and revelation of who, God's, who God is. I'll remind you in Mark 9, they had people, they had a, a man bring his boy to the disciples who were already casting out demons and healing the sick. You can read in Mark, Mark chapter 6. They bring the, he brings the boy to the disciples at this particular instant and they could not cast the demon out. Jesus comes down, the man says, I brought, them to your, I brought them to your disciples. They couldn't do anything for it. What did Jesus say? Yeah, it's because it wasn't my will. You know, you have to understand, sometimes, sometimes it's, it's to glorify me. What did Jesus say? You faithless and perverse generation, bring the boy to me. He rebuked his disciples right in front of everyone. He said, you faithless and perverse generation, bring the boy to me. The disciples couldn't get it done. What did he say? He didn't say, well, it's because God had different plans. He said, bring the boy to me. 
And what happened when they brought the boy to him? Cast the demon out, and the, man, the little boy was healed from that same, that same hour. He said, all things are possible to him that believes. Could you imagine if that, that man had never seen Jesus? After he tried with the disciples, he would have gone back, wrote, he would have wrote a nice volume of textbooks on sometimes, you know, God has different plans. And I can tell you, I went, to, I went to Peter, the apostle Peter himself, and he laid hands on my boy, and they tried to cast out demons. They flung oil, and nothing worked. And so we got to just accept the fact that sometimes God has other plans. He could have done that. But Jesus came to express God's perfect will. He said, bring the boy to me. There's a, and I'll say, there's a lot of people, they're always trying, if I can just get brother XY to lay hands on my son, oh, if I can get Isaiah to do this, if I can get TJ to pray, if I can get, stop looking to everyone, bring the boy to Jesus. Bring your case to Jesus. Bring your case to God. Because God never loses a battle. Number four, Jesus took every person, every sick person, every person's sickness on his body. Understand, this is how to tap into God's healing power. You have to understand that while Jesus was on that cross, your tumor was in his body. Your diabetes was on his body. Your MS was in his body. Whatever neurological disorder was on him. That's why it took him six hours to die. It should have took him three, two to three days to die by crucifixion. He died in six hours. Such a shock it was to Pontius Pilate that when they said he's dead, he said, well, no, go and send a centurion to check. And they were going to break his body, but they were going to break his legs. Because when you broke someone's legs who was being crucified, he would, he would then sink in and he would no longer be able to breathe because he would just sink in. And they used their legs to lift up. Because their, their lungs would contract. And so once they broke the legs, they couldn't lift up anymore. And they, just, they would just drown in their own blood. So they were going to crack Jesus' legs. But he was dead. This guy's dead. There's no breath in him. And just to make sure, they pierced his side. And just blood and water came out. He had totally emptied himself of every ounce of every droplet of blood. But why did it take him six hours to die when it should have taken two, three, two, three days? Because Galatians 3.13 says that Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. Deuteronomy 28.15 through the end of the chapter tells you what the curse of the law is. Sickness, disease, tumors, mildew, fevers, consumption. You can read it all in Deuteronomy 28.15 through 58. And then it says, even those sicknesses which are not listed in, in this book, are part of the curse of the law. So every sickness under heaven is part of the curse of the law. Jesus came to redeem us, Galatians 3.13, from all the curse of the law. Having been made a curse for us. What does that mean? The curse was laid on Christ so that the blessing can be conferred on you. Oh, hallelujah. The curse was laid on Christ so that the blessing of healing can come on you. So, Instead, this is a mistake I hear a lot of believers do. They say, I'm believing God for healing, but I don't know when my cancer is going to go away. I'm believing God for healing, but I don't know when my tumor is going to go. I'm believing God for healing, but my depression keeps coming. It's yours? Well, then keep it. You keep laying claim to it. Even the devil's like, Lord, I, God, I, I, he keeps saying it's his. There's nothing I can do about it. Even if I wanted to leave it, he, he wants it. He keeps saying it's his. 
Stop saying it's my diabetes. It's my problem. It's my sickness. It's my disease. It's my cross to bear. First of all, the cross to bear was never sickness and disease. Jesus wouldn't bear on the cross something he wanted to alleviate you from to then go on and just throw that thing back on you. That's poor believing. That's wrong teaching. So stop saying it's my sickness. It's my depression. Man, my anxiety is really bad. You, you've claimed ownership of it, so it will stay. And I said this testimony on Tuesday, but it bears repeating. An evangelist, Ted Shuttlesworth Sr., he was uh, at, a, at a conference of his denomination back in the day. He was a young preacher at the time. And he had a tumor coming out of his neck, and it was oozing. He had been many months. This tumor was just coming out of his neck, and it was oozing all kinds of pus. It was a gross sight to look at. And a couple of days before the, the conference, the Lord had shown him in prayer that he constantly referred to the thing as his tumor and all that. And the Lord said, start to call that my tumor. So he started to say, that's Jesus' tumor. He relinquished his ownership over it, and he started saying, that's Jesus' tumor. That's Jesus' tumor. So at the conference, people were disgusted, and they said, Brother Ted, you've got to get that checked out. He would say, that's Jesus' tumor. He's, he, he already took it. That's Jesus' tumor. Because he himself took our infirmities. He carried our pains. Well, if he bore it, why do I have to bear it? If he took it, why do I have to take it? If someone paid your electricity bill, why do you have to go and pay it again? You're just double paying. You're unnecessarily suffering for something Christ already suffered for. I tell you the truth, within three days of him saying, Jesus took it, Jesus took it, the thing dropped off his neck. Never came back. Satan cannot legally lay on you what God already laid on Jesus. He already laid that back pain on him. He already laid that blood disorder on him. Jesus took dominion over every category of sickness and disease. In Matthew 8, you see it. The leper came to Jesus. He healed him. Leprosy has to do with the, the, the structure of your body, the flesh and the bones, because it, it eats away. You, you just have fingers falling off. It just eats away at the structure. So any disease that revolves around the structural makeup of your body, skin disorders, eczema, whatever it is, you're going to be healed of it right now in Jesus' name. Then... He goes to the centurion. The man was, the centurion's servant was dreadfully tormented, paralyzed. That has to do with the neurological areas of the body. MS, ALS, uh, neurological disorders, whatever it might be, nerve damage, nerve pains, whatever it is. Jesus took dominion over the neurological problems. Then there's Simon Peter's mother-in-law mother who was sick with a fever. Fever resides in the blood. Diseases of the blood. AIDS. Fever. Blood pressure problems. Blood cancers. Sickle cell anemia. Whatever it might be. Whatever resides in the blood. Jesus. Jesus has dominion over that. And because you're part of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. The Bible says in Ephesians 5. You also have dominion over it. And then finally. He went out and the Bible says he cast out demons of all that were sick. One third, of the, one third of the sicknesses Jesus healed, Jesus had to deal with a demon directly. There are spirits of infirmities. Oftentimes this manifests in doctors saying, we don't know what's wrong with you. Well, the cancer is so aggressive, it's, there's a life to the thing, and we don't, we don't have an answer to it. You might as well just go home. That's, that is a demon. You can't tell me otherwise. 
And we have, the Bible says, authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and over all the power of the devil and nothing shall by any means harm us. So those are the four categories where sickness uh, manifests. And Jesus gave us power over them all. So number five, and I finish with this, attend to God's word. How do you tap into God's healing power? And this is the most important one. I'm going to read one scripture and then we're going to pray. Proverbs chapter four and verse 20. My son, give attention to my word. Incline your ear to my sayings. Don't let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. So he tells you how to give attention to the word. Give attention to the word isn't reading your version Bible scripture that pops up in the morning and that's your, that's your intake of the word that day. Paying attention is verse 21. Don't let it depart from your eyes. Always have it before you. You got 15 minutes to spare? Instead of popping up Twitter newsfeed, put up your Bible app and read. Keep it in the midst of your heart. Meditate on it day and night. For, this is what it's going to produce, it's life to those that find them and health to all their flesh. Health, healing power to all their flesh. Why is it healing power? Remember this. Jesus is the word made flesh. John chapter 1, 1 through 5. And I think verse 7 says, and the word became flesh. Jesus was the word taking on flesh. Well, in Hebrews 10, 9, the Bible says, referring of Jesus, Lo, I have come to do thy will. I have come to do thy will. Jesus came to do God's will. And Psalm 107.20 says God sent his word. So Jesus was the word sent to the earth to do the will. What was the will? God sent his word to heal them and deliver them from all their destruction. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. From these scriptures we can establish Jesus' interactions with sick people and his healing ministry was a complete revelation of God's will to heal the people. So you can actually say it this way. Acts 10, 38. It says, Jesus Christ went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. But since Jesus and his word are one, Jesus is the word, we can say the word of God went about doing good, healing all that were uh, um, oppressed by the devil. That's why Proverbs 4 includes this. That if you attend to the word, the word of God is the custodian of God's healing power that as you continually intake the word, it's going to produce a continual flow of healing in your physical body. It's medicine. It's funny how people will take an Advil and they believe the symptoms are going to go. But then they take the word and they're like, I still feel the pain. Keep sowing the word into your heart. That's how you sow the word. Remember Mark 4 says, the kingdom of heaven is as if a man should go and sow seed. And he goes to bed by night and he wakes up by day. The seed sprouts and grows. How? He himself doesn't know. But the earth yields fruit of itself. You got to trust that the seed of God's word has the capacity to release healing in your body. And as you sow it, God's healing power has the ability to heal whatever sickness is in your body. Just like the farmer sows the seed on the soil, he believes the seed has the capacity to produce what he wants, and the earth has the ability to actually grow it. 
You have to believe that as I take the word in my heart and believe and speak it constantly, despite what I'm feeling, that the seed has the capacity to bring healing and God's power has the ability to effectively produce it in my body. A farmer doesn't sow the seed. There's a lot of Christians that do this. I prayed and I still feel sick. A farmer doesn't sow the seed and then dig it up every day. Say, is it growing? No. Put it back in. Is it growing? He sows the seed and then he just waters it. And he doesn't have to see. He knows it's working. He knows it's working. People take a vaccine. And they don't... They have confidence. They're not going to get sick because they took the vaccine. They know the vaccine's gone to work. But then when it comes to the... You think the word of God has less power than a stupid vaccine? The word of God. You can put your absolute confidence that the word of God, once you sow it onto the fertile soil of a believing heart, it is going, it's going to produce. It's going to, it's, it's, it's at work in your body. It's killing cancer cells. It's killing, it's killing anything that's been sent against your body to kill it. When your eyes are on the symptoms, your mind's occupied with them more than God's word, you're planting the wrong kind of seed for the harvest that you're desiring to obtain. You can't sow tares and, and, reap, and reap wheat. That's why the Bible says that we are to fix our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of our faith. What did we just say before? Jesus and the word are one. So we can actually say, fix our eyes on the word, who's the author and perfecter of our faith. And for the joy set before you, don't look at the pains that you're feeling and suffering now. Look to the joy set before you. That healing's gonna come. I always say this, Dodie Osteen, John Osteen's wife. She's like 90-something years old now. But at 40, she was diagnosed with cancer of the liver, metastatic cancer of the liver, and she was given six weeks to live. You know what she did? She went home, her and her husband, John Osteen, they took the Bible, they opened up healing scriptures, and they said, God, this is your covenant. We remind you of it today. We receive healing. She took down every mirror in her home because she didn't want to see her degrading body. She kept on getting skinnier and skinnier, whatever. She took down all the mirrors, and instead of mirrors, she put up pictures of her riding horses, everything she loved to do, everything that reminded her of life, and she started to look on that and fix on that, and she focused on that, anything that would feed her faith, not drain her faith, she didn't take calls from people that were saying, oh, it feels so bad for you. Oh, what are you going to do with the children? She didn't take calls like that. She only fed her faith. You're, you have two dogs at work in you. You have the dog of faith and the dog of unbelief. And whichever dog you feed more is going to win the battle. Feed faith and starve your doubts and you'll see that faith will triumph. And what happened? She didn't die six weeks. That was 40, that was 50 something years ago. She's still alive and well and she runs her own Twitter account. To this day, supernaturally sharp. Symptoms point you to death. God's word points you to life. You can't look in both directions at the same time. Choose to look to the word, irrespective of what you're feeling. Now I'm going to pray for you. Proverbs 3. This is why you can expect to... I believe a lot of you are... You're charged. You're charged. You've just been waiting. Can this guy stop preaching so I can... I, I, I get it. And we're going to pray right now. Proverbs 3, verse 26 and 27. This is why you can expect God to heal you right now. Actually, just verse 27 and 28. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due. 
when it is in the power of your hand to do so. Don't say to your neighbor, go back, uh, go and come back tomorrow. I'll give it to you when you have it with you now. God, because Proverbs is just as inspired as the gospel of John is. And the Bible says that God said, don't withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do so. Don't tell him, go, come back tomorrow and I'll give it to you then when you have the power to help him now. Is God a hypocrite? No. If God's admonishing us to not turn people away that need help when you have power to help them, how much more? Does he have power to heal you today? Yes. So why is God going to say, come back tomorrow, I'll do it then? When he has the power, he's not cruel. He's not sadistic. He's a loving God. And he's been wanting to heal you from the moment you got saved. So lift up your hands. Take your hand actually and put it wherever there's pain or sickness. And we're going to send that thing back to hell where it belongs. You don't have to accept every package. If UPS delivers a package to my house and they ask me to sign and I don't know where that thing came from, I can refuse to sign and I can click the box that says return to sender. The devil sent you a package. It's packaged up sickness and disease. Today we're returning it back to sender. Back to hell where it belongs in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, Father, as they take their hand and put it on the diseased area, sick area, or pained area, and if it's mental, on their minds, on their heads, as they do that by faith, I connect my faith with them. I agree in faith with them, knowing that you said where two of you should agree on earth, in faith concerning anything that they might ask, it shall be done for them by my Father in heaven. I connect my faith with them. And in the name of Jesus Christ, I call healing power into their body right now. Let the healing flow of Calvary run right through their bloodstream, right through their bones, their bone marrow. Father, whatever they need transplanted, let there be a transplant that takes place, not by any human hand, but by the invisible hand of God. As you went and you did surgery on Adam when you extracted that rib from his rib cage, and he woke up and there was no scar and there was no evidence that God had ever even been there, I pray in Jesus' mighty name. In the name of Jesus, by your invisible hand, go to work in their bodies. I curse the work of sickness in, their, in your body. I curse, sick, I curse blindness. I curse deafness. I curse cancer. You foul spirit of cancer in the name of Jesus. I pronounce death on you. That person, you shall live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. I rebuke death off your body. Jesus destroyed death 2,000 years ago. You have no right, you have no legal right to remain in that body that's been blood washed and blood bought. The Bible says you've been bought with a price, therefore glorify God with your body and your spirit, which are God's. Healing glorifies God. I command the healing power of God to run right through your body right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' mighty name. Be healed from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. I release divine quickening power through your, your body. Blood pressure is being regulated right now. Pains in the back are leaving. If you had pain in your back, I want you to like, I want you to bend over. Do what you couldn't do. If you had pain in your feet, I want you to jump up and down. Do what you couldn't do. I'm going to tell you, as you take a step of faith, you're going to see, even if you don't feel great as you get up, the power of God is going to... God honors those that honor His Word. And if you'll honor His Word with action, God will honor you with power.
If you had pain in your arm, I want you to move your arm. I want you to do what you couldn't do. Do what you could not do before. Kindroste praia deveste. Hallelujah. If you're watching right now and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ and you'd like to do so today, maybe you have but you've fallen away, you're not living for the Lord and you'd like to get back on track, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Because it doesn't matter if God heals you if you still go to hell. You can go to hell healthy. A lot of people do. They're still going to spend eternity in, in the lake of fire. We got to do... Do business today. The gospel is not just I'll heal you when you're sick. The gospel is I'll save you. There's one thing that'll send you to hell and one thing only. It's not the devil. The devil has no power to send you to hell. God's not going to send you to hell. Certainly not. It's sin that sends you to hell. Sin that sends you to hell. God doesn't send anybody to hell. People choose to go there by... Keeping to a lifestyle of sin. Cut sin out of your life. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. And not just physical death, spiritual death. Eternity without God. Bound in a lake of fire where the worm does not die. The blackness is felt and the fire is never quenched. God didn't send Jesus so you can spend eternity there. God sent Jesus and Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you in heaven. There's a place for you in heaven. There's room for you in heaven. But you need to choose to believe. Admit you're a sinner. Believe in the gospel. And then commit your life to Christ today. Do this with me. Say, Father, in Jesus' name, I believe you raised Jesus from the dead. I confess Christ is my Savior. Christ is my Lord. Fill me with your spirit. Where I was weak, make me strong. Break all addiction off my life. Deliver me from sin's bondage now. I believe I'm delivered. I believe I'm set free. I believe my sins are forgiven. I believe my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Heaven is my home. God is my Father. Jesus is my Savior. And I'm never going back. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer with me, I'd love for you to get on my website, salvationnow.ca. The first link that pops up is I just got saved. Click it, fill it out. There's, uh, I want to get something to you free of charge, a package. We pay shipping, handling, all that. I want to bless you. I want to get a Bible to you. There's also some books that I want to send you that are going to really help you. Um, and so if, you, if you've never been saved or if you're rededicating your life to Christ today, go onto my website and I want to hear from you. Stay connected with us by visiting us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching at TJ Malkanji. Or visit us online, www.salvationnow.ca. God bless you, and until next time.